your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for your positive imprint. Happy Mother's Day. Our moms are special and however you celebrate her is from your heart. Have you ever pondered the positive imprints of your mom? Well, I want to share my mom and her positive imprints with you. Thank you for your support in listening to this podcast. It's May. Celebrate Mom Month. Well, hello. This is an exciting day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Well, thank you. (laughs) I am so happy that you are joining me on my show. And first of all, of course, thank you for all of the support regarding the podcast. It has been a long run just getting it launched. Your father and I thought that it was just a wonderful idea and that it would inspire people and let them know about other people's, the things they've done to make the world a better place. I agree. And that's part of my upbringing, though, is all of the things that we've done for other people and just the joy in doing things for others. And anyway, but so I want to introduce you. You are Victoria Sanchez. And you were born a Wagner out in Wisconsin. Yes, in the Midwest. Many Germans settled in the Midwest as well as Swedes in Wisconsin. So your upbringing, you know, I've heard so many stories about your upbringing. And we won't talk about your upbringing, but it was a different upbringing. And I'm very glad that you and Dad chose not to raise us kids in that manner. I've had a absolute wonderful childhood. I'm so happy to hear that. We were very happy to be here. New Mexico, I don't want to make any advertisements for the state, but New Mexico is a very beautiful state. We have five of the seven life zones right here in our own state. Uh, We have a history that goes back to the 16th century. Most people are not aware of that. We have mountains, we have deserts, we have everything. And we have people who care about other people. And that's a plus. Yes, the upbringing was wonderful. And, but it, it goes back to your strength as you, as an independent person, when you were being raised in your own household as a child, and what you saw and the things you might not have liked at home and you and you went on to have this amazing university career I shouldn't say career but you took these university classes that were unheard of really for a woman back in the 50s (laughs) (laughs) that that is true because my friends were all majoring in history and and language arts and I said well there's so many of them Maybe I'll need a job after a while, so I'll major in chemistry. Uh, but I really loved, I loved every academic subject. And I was fortunate that I went to uh, college at an all-girls college, and then later to Marquette University, which was a larger university, and very wonderful experiences there. And I have something that probably not very many people can say. I had a student who had a little trouble with my first quiz and came up to the office and he wanted to be a doctor and I this was when I was a graduate assistant at Marquette and I I told him what he needed to do to become a doctor now that was 1955 and to this day all these years later I've gotten a Christmas card from that student he went on to become an instructor in the medical school 
And I asked him, he visited here um, maybe five years ago, and I asked him, uh, he told me that he told his students about me and how I helped him, and I said, and did you in turn help those students? And he said, yes, I did. And so... Isn't that remarkable? It is to hear from someone from the, for that length of time. Very, very nice. Well, and he obviously thought so much of you and the advice that you gave him for him to pursue his dream. And what you did was you provided something to him in that, in that way uh, for his success. And Mother shares the story of how Mom and Dad met. Uh, we had met. We were both elected national officers of the International Relations Clubs. They were sponsored by the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace and the Foreign Policy Association. He was attending Loyola of Los Angeles, and I was at Mount Mary in Wisconsin. And we met as national officers, and that's how we became acquainted. And then we had board meetings as well as a national conference. And the year that he was vice president and I was secretary, that year the national conference was in New York City, and the topic was, why the United Nations? And we had students from all the colleges in the U.S., and it was a good conference. And uh, we saw each other uh, as we met and uh, toured New York and West Point and so on, and then the board meetings that we had during the year. I was elected again, but I was vice president the following year, and he graduated from Loyola and went on to the Air Force. Of course, he was writing and trying to come to visit uh, me in Milwaukee. And then that's how it all started. Indeed, we were very fortunate. We were blessed. Let me tell you about the forerunner of women's rights. Uh, that's not exactly a good term. But when we, were, we were, lived in Washington, D.C., your father had left the Air Force, and he was going to Georgetown Law School. Well, we lived for a year on savings, and we had a young daughter then, her first baby. The tuition went up at Georgetown, and we said, hmm, it's not a good thing to have the tuition go up. And then your father said, well, he would go to work, and I kind of said, well, you know, dear, uh, you're going to be kind of old when you get out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I think maybe it would be easier if I just got a job. So I was qualified for a GS7, and I went looking. And I went first to NIH, the National Institute of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, and he offered me a position, but he offered it to me at a GS-5 level. And I said, why are you offering me this job at a GS-5? And he said, because you're a woman. And I said, what has that got to do with it? And he said, you're liable to get pregnant. And I said, thank you, I don't want your job. So I went next to food and drug, and he only had a GS-5, but he really needed a chemist. I had a master's in, chem in chemistry. So he said he would hold the job for me for two weeks, and I said I, I appreciated that, and I would let him know. I went next to the National Bureau of Standards, and I was hired on the spot. I was the only female scientist among hundreds of males at the National Bureau of Standards. It was a wonderful experience because of the in-services that they had. They were truly excellent in-services, as far as science and technology was concerned, we were kept up to date on current events. So I did indeed have a wonderful experience there. I worked in industrial chemistry. And then when uh, my husband graduated from Georgetown 
and he got both a Bachelor of Law and a Master of Law in International Law. His Master's was in International Law. But we decided we would go back to his home state, which was New Mexico, but not to Socorro, which was where he was raised, but to Albuquerque. And so that's where we ended up. But in that day, we didn't have our consciousness raised because there was no legislation protecting w women. But I will tell you this, the, uh, my supervisor or team leader, project leader at the Bureau of Standards, indeed, I left there in 1960. And I get a Christmas card from him every year. And he came twice to New Mexico to visit us. And he brought a lovely oil painting of the Chesapeake Bay so that we would always remember the East Coast. But now, when I was growing up, the things that just, things that I look back on with just joy and happiness and smiles is just the, hap well, not just the happy memories, but the way you raised all of us kids. You never raised your voice. You definitely grounded us when we broke the rules. It was a happy childhood, and I always felt loved. One of the things that I think is a wonderful positive imprint is that when we were at the dinner table, one of the rules was at the dinner table, each and every one of us had to say something about our day. You and Dad could always tell if one of us had said something and it was not the right truth, or maybe you could sense some stress there, and after dinner, one of you would always call us into the back bedroom and chat with us and find out what was going on. And that I'm so thankful for. Family was important to your father and well, myself. Well, to you too, yes. And uh, one of the things that we really enjoyed was teaching you all about protecting the environment. Yes. And we took you backpacking and camping and hiking. And truly, those were the, the very special times. The mountains in New Mexico are beautiful and gives you a chance to be with each other and to sing around the campfire and enjoy all the beauty of nature. I absolutely loved nature. What you taught us and some of the things that you always said, both you and dad, when we went into the wild, we were observers. And that's what, what we were. We would observe, we would learn things, but we would leave it with the pristineness that we arrived there or even better and when we would watch wildlife you would always teach us what was happening what I think is funny <laughs> mom is that you would hand us a whistle oh, yes <laughs> and send us off <laughs> bye <laughs> no uh, when we were at the campground then I knew you had the whistle if you needed something and that's a good safeguard for kids and if we were hiking, the rule was you had to be within our eyesight. None of this running ahead and disappearing, always in the eyesight as we, we went back. lots backing. of adventures. And it, it's just amazing that we could sit at the campfire roasting marshmallows, Dad playing the harmonica, and the rest of us would sing along with his, his harmonica. That, that is just a memory that is a forever one. And you also learned about the stars and the oh, constellations. I loved doing the constellations. You can with see Dad. more out in the wilderness because there are no bright lights that would interfere with the stars. That was fun, and not all of us siblings can see pictures up there. I, Mary and I can see the pictures. I love the stories, and you are just a positive imprint in our lives, Mom. 
and you continue to be a positive imprint. Well, you always stood by Dad. I was a homemaker because that's what we wanted. We wanted family things to be paramount. And so I was a homemaker from 1960 to 1978. Um, there were a number at the parochial high school, and uh, the uh, judicial salary is far less than what you earn in private practice. So we said, you know, it's time. So I went back to teaching, and I taught first at a high school, and then I went to a middle school. And I deliberately chose to stay at a middle school in our city because those kids needed a good teacher. And in science, they had uh, an excellent teacher. I did not use the textbook. I used hands-on experiments. And my husband helped me uh, with the equipment I needed to teach that. He was a good artisan in, in designing things I needed in the physics part, in the physical science part. Uh, inclined planes and with different types of fabric on them and all sorts of things because of course unfortunately teachers uh, don't have the money to purchase uh, materials or the things that they need to for the students and I required science fair projects from each and every student they did wonderfully well for this very disadvantaged school in an economically and socially disadvantaged part of the city as a matter of fact, many of them won awards at both regional and state science fairs. And one of the regional science fairs was dedicated to me as the outstanding teacher. And I was very honored by that. I remember that. My science fairs consisted probably over 400 projects a year. Because our middle school, we had a lot of students. It truly represented a, a cosmopolitan population. They enjoyed their accomplishments at science fair, both at regional and at the state science fair. And they respected you. And not only did you have the science fair dedicated to you, but you also won the presidential award. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I'd, they called me from the National Science Foundation before we left. In fact, we were leaving. It was the night before. And they asked if I would address the uh, House Subcommittee on Education. And I said, yes. So on the airplane, on a little index card, I put down some things that I thought were necessary for the improvement of science education. And when we got there, I, we met President and Mrs. Bush, and they had us in the Rose Garden. They were absolutely delightful. It was enjoyable. We had dinner at the Department of State. It was magnificent. We toured Washington. We truly felt honored. And there was a one presidential winner in science from each state and one in math. And of course, I, d I did address the, the House Subcommittee on Education. And I will tell you that what I said in that year, I could tell them the same thing now because I'm sorry, things have not really changed. They have stagnated. That is too bad. Yes. As a result of that, I was invited to serve on several of the uh, National Science Foundation's uh, panels, also the American Council on Education, and I made several site visits for the National Science Foundation. And then the governor of our state also asked me to serve on the state's committee representing the teachers for science. Well, you definitely have not just been an imprint for me, but obviously for the community, for many, many children and adults. 
you were a Girl Scout leader, and oh my gosh, we had so much fun. <laughs> and some of my friends who I was in Girl Scouts with listened to the podcast, so <laughs> they're probably remembering some of the fun activities we did. And, and like one of the things that I didn't think about, but we would take the plastic bags from uh, breads for the bread bags because we didn't have plastic bags like we do today and we use those to keep them out of the landfill and we made jump ropes out of them and to use them and that they've made great jump ropes i think i was a girl scout leader might have been 14 years 13 years between all the daughters between the daughters i was a junior girl scout leader and i had the largest troop had 46 girls in the troop the max was supposed to be 32 but whoever came on the first day of registration i accepted them and nobody ever dropped out because we had so many activities we did things for the hospitals, made tray favors for the children's hospital. We uh, did Christmas caroling. We made Kleenex boxes for the people that we caroled for at Christmas. We had all sorts of wonderful, oh, I doing all of that. wonderful community activities that made it instill such values, citizenship, and citizenship. Yes, and the girls loved it. We did camping, troop camping. We went hiking. We did needle craft. It was fun. It was fun, fun for all the girls. And uh, they got to be in charge, and so they developed their leadership qualities as they became patrol leaders and arranged the courts of honor and so on. That's all important, a part of growing up, something I think that's maybe neglected today where we don't teach the young people to take responsibility for their actions and be true leaders. But it was fun, too. Oh, it was, it was a lot of fun. One thing that your father and I always tried to instill he was in Boy Scouts, badge leader, is that you will pass this way but once. If there is some good that you can do, then do it. And that's what we tried to teach you children and the uh, students that we came in contact with. And you did, and you taught it well. And all five of us kids practiced that, and we as a family received the first philanthropy award in New Mexico as a family and 100% of all family members had to be philanthropists. Including the grandchildren. Including the grandchildren, that is correct. Hands on. And so what you do in your community and what you've taught us is definitely the citizenship, the caring, and working towards a better tomorrow. And, And I think you phrased it best and you and dad always always showed honor and dignity in everything you did and everything that you taught us. And also accept people's best efforts. Well, that's what you always said growing up. One of the things, uh, this is kind of funny, uh, I was always anxious for your dad to come home. And so we would go to meet him. And then uh, the children got a little older where I could see from the kitchen window the bus stop. And so the kids would go. I would say, now, it's time to go meet Daddy. And then our kids would go, but not only would they go, but all their neighborhood friends. Yes, I remember <laughs> And that. your father would get off the bus, and all the kids were calling, calling together, Daddy, Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> and I will tell you, the bus riders were much amused by that. <laughs> but your father loved it, and that continued. When you were in the u- university, you still went and met your father at the bus stop. And he loved it. He loved it. Met him. With the dog. Yep. Met him at the bus stop until I got married and moved out. And your father took the bus to work every day. Yes, he did. And so he taught us uh, public transportation and the good uses of it. And so we always took the bus to the university as well. 
I well remember when I was going back to teaching, the, some of the kids who, your siblings who were at the university said, oh, goody, now we get a ride to the university. <laughs> and I said, no, mother takes the bus just like you. <laughs> I remember that at the dinner table. <laughs> yeah. No, put your backpack on and off you go on the bus. Yes. Run to catch the bus so you're not late. Well, I, I did that too. You know, it's, it's hard to really listeners, it's really hard to sit down with my mom and talk about her positive imprint because really my positive imprints are all about her being a mother. And so that's going to be my take all of the time and that's how I celebrate her. And of course, you have this background in a teaching career, you have a background in lobbying, you have a background in beyond motherhood and within the community. But it's hard, it's yes. always hard to see that. Well, I served for almost 20 years on the board of directors of the Encino Houses. We had two and 11 stories. Encino Houses. Uh, they are uh, not assisted living, they're living communities for, for older citizens. And uh, we have Section 8 housing. One of the facilities, it was five stories, but a, a broader, many more apartments, was fully Section 8 qualified. And then the high rise that we have that's 11 stories, 25% of the units are Section 8. Section 8 means that uh, it has income limits that you can qualify for and so your rent is subsequently reduced. For a time I was treasurer until I went to teaching, then I could no longer be treasurer. It was too much for both um, both of those uh, buildings. We had a wonderful social program for the residents. We had a social director and uh, it made for a happy community. Originally, many years ago, it was the American Association of University Women and the Council of Churches that worked to get these built. We used HUD money, we had a mortgage, HUD money to build these units, and they're always fully occupied with long waiting lists. So that was one of the things uh, that I did. And your father and I were honored when uh, you children nominated us for New Mexico Parents of the Year. Oh, yes. was, I think, 2001. That was, ex and you won. <laughs> well, yes, but that was a, 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 we all an honor. Had, we all wrote our letters, and we all wrote what a childhood we had and what it meant to have you as parents, and it was so happy, such a happy, happy place to grow up, and being in the wilderness was my absolute favorite place. Listening to the coyotes, it was fabulous. We had some great adventures. We did. <laughs> In the wilderness, and I'm glad that we did those trips and had those adventures. You were a seamstress. You still are. And you sewed everything, all of our clothes. And so you made hiking clothes, our little jumpers and wedding dresses. You sewed it all. And you taught us to sew. Of course, none of us are as, as uh, learned as you are or as achieved as you oh, are. Oh, you're just not say. dedicated sewers. I guess that is it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've had to move this chat indoors because of the rain. And Mom's going to be talking about open space. And both Mom and Dad put in many hundreds and hundreds of hours. And Mother just received an award for her 1,000 hours of volunteer service with the open space. Mother's Day is a little bit rainy, quite cold. We are enjoying the rain, though, because in the arid <laughs> southwest, 
Every bit of rain is what we need. That is true. And, and one of the wonderful, wonderful positive imprints of, of yours and dad's is the open space. Yes. For uh, your father and I were open space volunteers for many years. Well, open space is, uh, refers to the lands that have been purchased by the city to use for the recreational enjoyment. Our open space, we have the Bosque which means field along the Rio Grande. And uh, that's quite a distance and quite a lot of land that we have there. Then we have some farms that are considered open space, the Candelaria Farms, uh, where we have a heritage farm, which encourages people to grow crops in a certain way, gives them advice on growing crops that will succeed in this area. And then we have the lands along the foothills of the mountains uh, that are open space, and those go quite a ways up the mountains for the open space. And again, it's uh, along the escarpment, so we're talking uh, miles. And then we have other lands further out in the canyon, which have been uh, purchased for open space, and those are also hiking trails. All along all of these open space trails, there are hikes, there are picnic areas, and so on, as well as we have a sunset series uh, during the summer, uh, where people can listen to concert music and also to educational talks such as search and rescue, birds, you learn all about birds, and so on. City of Albuquerque has partnered with uh, the National Park Service and we jointly administer, and we're the only ones in the nation that do this, um, a petroglyph national monument. Petroglyph National Monument has over 30,000 petroglyphs. And it is on the west side of Albuquerque. And there are five extinct volcanoes uh, that extruded the lava that, the, that formed the basalt upon which the Indians made their uh, petroglyphs. Most of them are between 1300 and 1600. But I deviated. Uh, yes, we were open space volunteers, but we were more than that. We were coyotes, spelled C-I-O-T-E-S and it means cultural interpreters of the environment. Your father and I worked with the education coordinator for open space, and we gave guided nature hikes to hundreds of uh, school children. It ranged all the way from kindergarten through the university. It was fun. Uh, your father would talk about the geology. I would talk about the flora and fauna, and the education coordinator would talk about trail etiquette. And then the teacher would split the group up into three. Your father would always take the Spanish speakers, and we'd get the other two groups. And it was fun. It was a trip for the kids to enjoy the environment and also to appreciate the legacy of the open space lands. Your father and I did so much together that it's hard to separate our activities. I was very blessed to have your father for 61 years, and we were very, very close we did everything together. I used to say I had heaven on earth, and it was true. We were truly blessed, and he left me a legacy. Uh, we were very happy when we, when we had the children and they came. We loved them all, and they were all individuals. When the grandchildren came, it was wonderful. We have eight grandchildren, four girls and four boys. And it was a delight, and each one of them is different. They all have so many accomplishments. We took joy in going, my husband, and teaching them all fly fishing and then how to clean the fish. I am doing other things with them, crafts, sewing, hiking, 
It was fun to have the grandkids and teach them about the out of doors and the environment. And we have two great grandsons, and they have each just turned two, one in March and one in May. And uh, it was it's a joy to to see the younger ones and to see our grandchildren in the roles of parents. It's wonderful. Uh, we were very blessed. Our children, the, our five children, each have celebrated, and more than that, their, their silver wedding anniversaries. And uh, it's just, life has been good. We look back, and we had many, many blessings. Well, and, and the blessings have been wonderful, but the positive imprints from you and that you've provided to all of us in lifelong living the way to love each other and to love family and to help community and the strength in our success and also our failures. You always allowed us to not be so hard. You hardened with our failures, but to learn from them and to see and to analyze our failures so that we can be successful. And that was a good upbringing. I'm happy to hear that. Uh, One of the things your father told me every day, I love you. And I did the same. And he also said, you're beautiful. Like I said, we were blessed. And we look back and there were many, many, many blessings. Uh, A lot of them we didn't recognize at the time but they truly were blessings. One of the things that your father wrote to me, he said, always will I love you, even in death. My heart will be joined with yours, continuing to bring happiness through memories. And I will end this podcast with a wonderful poem that Dad wrote for you on Mother's Day. To my love on Mother's Day. To me, you are the sunrise that removes the darkness from the morning skies. Refreshing as the evening breeze that cools the desert land. Satisfying as the raindrops that quench the prairie grass. More beautiful than the sunset that paints the evening skies. Willing to do the sacrifice for your family with angelic devotion. Every bit like the woman Aphrodite, passionate, desirable, pinnacle beauty, perfect in body, spirit, and mind. To me you are forever mine. Well, happy Mother's Day to you all, and thank you for listening to Your Positive Imprint, music by Chris Knoll. You can find Chris at chrisknoll.com. Please follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Please subscribe to this podcast, Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? Subscribe now.